Good morning. It is free for all Friday. That means that freely we have been saved by the grace of our Lord and you can call the radio show if you want here on Rogue Grace at 541-899-KAPL. 899-5275 with questions, thoughts, comments, or what have you. This is Peter John for Rogue Grace. I went to the the doctor's office yesterday. I'll tell you what happened if you really want to know. But first I want to read to you something from, uh, amazingly enough, USA Today. I read it this morning. I couldn't believe it was there, but it was, and it's beautiful. All right? Let me read to you this article. It's in the opinion section. Quick, what do Joseph Stalin, Kim Jong-un, and the American library goers all have in common? Hint, it has nothing to do with their hair. Did you guess? It's that they all find the Bible more threatening than other books. (laughs) Surprised? Don't be. Every single year, the Bible is the world's best-selling book. In fact, it's the number one best-selling book in history. But recently, it made another less coveted list. The American Library Association's Top 10 Most Challenged Books of 2015. This means the Bible is among the most frequently requested to be removed from public libraries. But what's so threatening about it? Why could owning one in Stalin's Russia get you sent you to the gulag? And why is owning one today in North Korea punishable by death? What makes it scarier? to some people than anything by Stephen King. Actually, quite a bit. Words and ideas have power, and the words and ideas in the Bible have so much power that a recent History Channel documentary titled 101 Objects That Changed the World said that the single thing that changed the world more than anything else was the Bible. But what ideas in it are so dangerous? We could start with the radical notion that all human beings are created by God in His image and are equal in His eyes. That means every human being should be accorded equal dignity and respect. If the wrong people read that, trouble will be sure to follow, and some real troublemakers have read it. One of them was George Whitfield, who discovered the Bible as a teenager and began preaching the ideas in it all across England. Then he crossed the Atlantic and preached it up and down the 13 colonies until 80% of Americans had heard him in person. They came to see that all authority comes from God and not from any king and saw it was their right and duty to resist being governed by a tyrant. 
Another historical troublemaker was the British parliamentarian, William Wilberforce. When he read the Bible, he saw that the African slave trade, which was a great boon to the, the British economy, was nevertheless evil. He spent decades trying to stop it. Slave trainers threatened to have him killed, but in 1807, he won his battle and the slave trade was abolished throughout the British Empire. In the 20th century, an Indian lawyer named Mohandas Gandhi picked up some ideas from the Bible about nonviolent resistance that influenced his views as he led the Indian people to independence. And who could deny the Bible's impact on the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., who said the Bible led him to choose love and peaceful protests over hatred and violence. He cited the Sermon on the Mount as his inspiration for the civil rights movement. In fact, the climax of Martin Luther King Jr.'s most famous words mirror the promises of the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. I have a dream, Isaiah said. So did Martin Luther King Jr. That one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, and rough places shall be made plain, and crooked places will be made straight. The racists of that day didn't know what hit them. But again, the ideas in the Bible brought dignity and justice to a downtrodden people. They don't call it good news for nothing. And here's more good news. In the fall of 2017, a museum dedicated to the scholarly and engaging presentation of the most influential book will open two blocks from the National Mall in Washington. Putting so much truth that close to power will scare some folks, but the rest of us should be thrilled. In the meantime, unless you're scared, you might put the Bible on another list, your personal reading list. Find out why it scares the pantaloons off tyrants and dictators, but has inspired others to change the world. It's truly fascinating. If you're not a dictator or a tyrant, you've really got nothing to fear. But if you are, go ahead and be afraid. Be very, very afraid. Is that not an awesome op-ed piece from USA Today? Today? <laughs> I had to read that. You can check it out right on their website if you want. Print it out. There's a picture of... Um, an Atlantic Bible from the 11th century in Rome on the uh, website there where the the op-ed piece that I just read is on. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. I love that. I mean, how often do we get to hear a word like that in something like USA Today? You know, I've made a the funny thing is I even read that because I've made a, a pact that I forgot about this morning to not read the news for a week. Now, I forget a lot of things these days. So that just reminded me, oh, yeah, I'm not supposed to even be reading that. <laughs> I'm writing it down so I don't forget to do that again. Okay, one week, no 
news. Never done that before, but I need to. I'm just being bombarded with news like you are. Sometimes I just say, I got to take a break. Well, I'm for- I was supposed to force myself, and I didn't this morning. And I read that article, and now I read it to you. So at least I got that out of it. Where grace abounds. No, sin abounds. Grace abounds more. Speaking of that, grace. Um, I went to the doctor's office yesterday. The guy who did the surgery on my brain. And uh, I had an x-ray done a couple days ago. If you were here on Sunday, you might remember. (laughs) I gave half my sermon. The other half I said I forgot. And I'm still recovering. (laughs) That's the excuse I'll use. Uh, So my memory is still recovering. Yeah, that's a good excuse. I'll use that for the rest of my life. But uh, anyways... I was scheduled, so I went, they took the x-ray, and the doctor came back and said, okay, I never want to see you again. I didn't take that personal. He said, I want you to go over to the hospital when you get a chance and say hi to all of the nurses there and the people in the intensive care unit that you were at. They would love to see you for you had the worst case of a brain. I don't even remember what he called it. Brain, whatever issue that they had ever seen that I have ever seen. He said that anyone has ever seen apart from a car accident or a drug overdose. That's what he said. Apart from a car accident, he even said drug overdose. He just said, apart from a car accident, you have the worst. You've had the worst brain crisis that we'd ever seen. (laughs) What a miracle. And so he said, I never want to see you again. I said, sounds good to me. That is how healed up my brain has become. Uh, At least physically. (laughs) I can't maybe vouch for that mentally, but Physically speaking, thank you for your prayers. And walking out, I bumped into a fella who went to the church when I was a little kid. I remember him. He was glad to see me. He was taking his wife into the doctor. I was glad to see him. I remember him growing up. And he said to me, I remember, I don't even know why he said this to me, but he did. I remember one night, it was a church service out in the Western Auto Building in Applegate. And your dad did a message on uh, forgiveness and having given us the opportunity to get our feet washed. And he said, your mom came to the front of the, the little sanctuary there, took off her shoes and had her feet washed. And then she went to heaven the next day. 
That's what he told me after I just heard that. After I just heard that that brain surgeon, two of them had never seen anything like what happened in my brain. In order, not only had they never seen such a bad case, but a recovery. That's pretty amazing. I'm not even sure how to quite download that, especially with my brain. <laughs> I just think it's so nice to walk with God. For thou art with me, even in the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow of death, but it's not death ever. Pretty cool. We're taking your phone calls, 899-5275, because it is free for all Friday. Let's go to caller number one. Hi, Jack. Good morning. Good morning, Pete. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Thanks. What's on your mind? I've got a question, a couple questions. One is about, I know that the law is if and then, and grace is yes and amen, and I was thinking about Deuteronomy 28 where it says that if we follow his laws, then these blessings will, will follow. But if we don't, then these curses will follow. <clears throat> and the bottom line is, even back then, nobody can. Nobody's going to. So why is that even there? Hmm. It perplexes me. <laughs> oh, that's a great question. There's so many things that go into my brain, even in the status that it's in right now as you say that, but um, let me just give you one suggestion. I don't know if, um, Jack, I don't know if the Old Covenant was God's master, or I should say, first plan. I mean, I think that he gave up. It's not, there's nothing wrong with the Old Covenant. It's that we can't keep it, obviously. That's what the Bible makes clear in the New Testament. Old Covenant's perfect. The, the law is perfect. It's beautiful. It's from God. But the problem is, is with you and I, our lack of ability, anybody's, not just you and I. I mean, we're part of a big club here called humanity, not able to keep it. And if you look at when the law was given, the people, it seems to me, I'm, I'm not going to make this statement like um, dogmatically, but as I looked on Exodus, it seems to me like I would make the suggestion that the people were demanding that there be a law. And um, I'll read to you from Exodus 19. They come to Mount Sinai and um, the, the the people there gathered uh, around Moses and he called the elders. He knew he was going to go up the mountain. I'm not saying he wasn't, but Moses, the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak to you and may also believe forever. So that's what God said. I'm going to make myself known to you, Moses. I'm going to reveal myself in a powerful way and the people will believe forever. That's, that was the plan of Mount Sinai. But the people, when Moses told them this, they said, all that God commands us, we will do. Now, did they, uh, 
No, as soon as the commandments came, they broke yeah. it. You know, that didn't right. last too long. And so I just wonder if there was a um, kind of an uh, attitude in the people that was saying, we can keep God's commandments, give us the law. And so God does. Um, and it didn't turn out so well for them, for you, for me. If they would have kept it, if I would have kept it, for sure. But it goes to show that no one can keep the law of God. We need to be saved by grace. And then by his grace, we can begin to follow or keep his commandments. So that's yeah. a that's a suggestion um, that I'm working through right now in my own um, m- mindset, in my own reading of, of the law and of the scriptures. I, I, I think, too, that, that as, they, as they didn't keep those laws, that, that they were forgiven through sacrifices, and then you think, okay, well, then at that point, they are, for lack of a better word, entitled to God's blessings based on that sacrifice, but it keeps falling into the mess up, mess up, mess up, sacrifice, mess up, sacrifice until Jesus... And now those blessings are based solely on what he did for us. Right. That's beautiful. Wonderfully and perfectly put, I think, as far as I am concerned, what you just said, that uh, he died once and for all, Hebrews says. And where the Old Testament, which is as beautiful and even, I could say, perfect as it is, is inferior to the New Covenant, that's what the book of Hebrews says. Yeah. It's because we cannot keep, we have to keep making those sacrifices and it's just literally impossible to do. That's why we need to count on his sacrifice. And that's what all of our hope is in. And uh, we, uh, you know, we're banking in the best way on that sacrifice. So that's Amen a good point. Okay. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Pete. God bless you. God bless you. Okay. Bye-bye. I love talking new covenant. Ooh, not that I'm an expert on it. I'm learning it though, just like you are. I mean, God said, I want you to believe. And the people said, all that God commands us, we will do Exodus 19. That's not, I don't believe maybe that wasn't the basis by which God wanted them to come to him, but they were insisting on it and they didn't do so good at it either. Did they? Hence we have the old Testament. That's why I don't like going to churches that are mixing up the old and the new testaments very much. Let's go to caller number two. Hi, Tim. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for calling. What's on your mind? I have a strange question for you. Okay. Deuteronomy 29, um, verse, verse 6. Okay. It, uh, it's the whole context of Moses is speaking here, and I'm kind of wondering... Verse 6, it says, You have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine or similar drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And I'm wondering why the translators didn't put, like, uh, quotation marks or something there, because it's obviously Moses was talking. Um, okay, so Moses is speak, um, Moses summered all of Israel. And in my version, which is the uh, ESV, that's that's the one I usually use these days. There are quotes following that, so that is placed in quotes. So I look. Is yours, yeah, the new New King James doesn't show it that way, and I thought, well, that's kind of awkward. I, Why would they? I don't know. It? I don't have the answer for that. I do know that my my ESV does have that in quotes. So um, maybe that's something you want to uh, research or or what have you. Google it up and find out why that is. And I'd be if you do find an answer to that, call me up again because I'd be interested to know. 
And I do know that, that, that semicolons is the same thing, kind of makes it like a quotation or something. Would that make sense? Or? Uh, you know what? You're asking the wrong dude. <laughs> I'm not an English major at all. I like English. I'm just not a major in it. So <laughs> sorry about right. that. Okay. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I like that that uh, scripture, though. You have not eaten bread. You have not drunk wine or strong drink that you may know I am the Lord your God. Your clothes have not worn out. Your sandals have not worn off your feet. Huh. I have preserved you. I have kept you. And you know I am the Lord your God. It's interesting because in that same book in Deuteronomy, God says to his people, I want you to eat and drink he even says a strong drink in Deuteronomy and enjoy what I have given to you after you give to me and as you serve me. Just interesting scriptures, all kinds of scriptures. I, I love, that's why I love reading through the Bible so that I can get the heart of it. You can take one scripture out of context as I think most Christians and preachers can tend to do. But you read the whole thing. It's called the full counsel of God's word, right? Hey, we're taking your phone calls today uh, here on Rogue Grace. If you live outside of the valley, 541 is the area code, 899-5275. Give us a call. Give me a call. What's on your mind? I didn't answer... The last question, did I? Because I have an ESV and he has his new King James. So who knows? But we can have a great discussion. Give me a call. We'll be right back.
Okay, we're back. What was up with that? You don't know? Crazy phone call? Not Mark, though. Mark's not crazy. Okay, let's go to caller number one and talk to Mark. Hey, Mark, how's it going this morning? Peter John, beautiful. How are you? Hey, I'm alive. Isn't that something? <laughs> yes. Isn't that something? I, the doctors are I, still scratching their heads about it. <laughs> that's, and that, the best part about that is you can't point to anybody but Jesus. Ab- absolutely. And my that's, wife knows that, and my kids know that, and I know that too. I mean, it's that's, great. That's the favorite part. That when I, whenever I see the hand of the Lord yeah. working in my life or those around me, uh, and it's and, and you can't say, oh, well, that was because of the you know the, the precursor events that happened that made this you know happen, and then this strange set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. No, you can't go there with this. And these things, you guys got to say, I don't have an answer. Well, <laughs> we know who does. I, my my exa- I mean, my wife said she could feel the the um, kind of the, the shift. When, as people were, were praying, she says, you know, I mean, I was, I don't even remember any of this. Uh, I was, you know, not even hardly here, uh, sure. but, but she said she could feel it. She, it's like, she just knew she sensed it one day, uh, a, a week or two into it. She sensed that God, if he was going to take my life, which he knows he's sovereign, it's not as though he changes his mind, right. but he answered people's prayers. Yes. You know, people were praying. That's the bottom yeah. line. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, what's you know, going on? Well, I just wanted to uh, to praise God on this. Oh, I yeah. Mean, I, Good. I've been following this uh, yeah. so closely as, as we all have. And, yeah. And I've uh, been able to um, use your healing and your, actually your travels through this hmm. uh, as an example for uh, some of the, the guys that I work with. Um, in in they're going through their trials. You know, one guy's going through cancer. I've got foster kids, and and they have their own challenges. I said, you know, there is a God in heaven who is intimately interested Amen. in every little thing that goes on in your life. And some of these guys know that. Some of these, some of them don't. You know, so you can speak to them depending on their awareness. Yeah. But the bottom line is this: is that He walks through our challenges with us every step of the way. And he gives us grace, and he gives us mercy, and uh, and a peace that you can't describe. The peace that passes understanding is beyond description, hmm. and you can see that work walked out in the life of this man right here. You can see that worked out in the life of this woman over here. Being able to point to those folks that whose heart is completely set upon the Lord, and who who God, through his strength and his mercy and his grace, reaches down and wraps his arms around you mm. and walks you through that area, that, that dark place, and then, and then gives you the victory, even when you haven't seen the victory. Mm. You're walking in that victory. They then have that hope. The, 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 the blessing I have is to be placed in this place, in this time, mm. with you and with Ben and with your dad, you know, and, and watching how God uses you all three and complement each other, and then and likewise encourages the body and strengthens the body and speaks to the body of Christ here 
in this valley and beyond, by the way, of the radio and the Internet. It is such a blessing for me to, to witness this, and I just want to give God the praise and the glory, because He is good all the time. He is, and even when we can't see His hand moving or that goodness, it doesn't mean He's not. He is, even when we can't see it, you know? That's like, right. I have to say, in these past months, there have been times where, even before I got yesterday's uh, report from the doctor, from the brain surgeon, there are times I go, Lord, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we all have that. If you're going to be yeah. honest, I mean, even the Psalms. How many Psalms say that? Yeah. Um, but in the end, um, as as time goes on, you can't help but say, just like you did, God is. He's working everything together for good. He is yeah. God of love, and He is working it beautifully and in His timing. I, your call is just perfect. So thank yeah. you. Awesome. Well. I'm blessed, and I, and I just wanted to bless you, and and uh, thank you for, for being on. I, I was so, uh, again, blessed to, to hear you on the radio today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just to hear you, it's like, well, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm trying to forget. <laughs> yeah. Who are you? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Scott looks familiar, but I'm not sure I really know him. You know, it's having that understanding that, you know, God knows. Mm. I don't have to know. Yeah. And I can be okay. In, in these struggles, because I know who holds my future. Yeah. And he's got me intimately and, and singularly in the palm of his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, that, that, that there's, you can't uh, overemphasize the, the greatness that that has in our lives and, and on our psyche and on our soul. Mm-hmm. So. You know, my friend. Thank you. Thank See you, you so much, Mark. Sounds good, buddy. Wow, that's right. great. Yeah, he's right, you know. It's a peace that passes understanding. I still don't have a lot of understanding about what you've gone through or what I've gone through or what things the Bible is saying. I I still have to learn. I grow in my understanding. I need to. However, because of God's Holy Spirit, there is a peace. There's a shalom that passes understanding that guards your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. It is finished. He has won. Death could not hold him down. We don't have all the answers, but we know he is the answer, right? I know you agree. Hey, give me a phone call. We have phone lines open at 541-899. 5275 here on Rogue Grace. How about an old song from Daryl Mansfield, of all people? That'll take some of us back. We'll be right back. People can't write. That's a train that's coming. Yeah. Don't need no ticket, no, no. It was bought with a price All you need is faith And those diesels Diesels humming Oh, you don't need no baggage Oh no, just give your baggage to the Lord hey! Oh, 
There's a train at Jordan It's picking up passengers I know From coast to coast to coast to coast And, uh, and faith is a key Open those doors and board them There's room, there's room for all Yes, love dead school people get ready give us a phone call speaking of get ready come on get ready to call me at 541-899-5275 whatever your thought or question comment might be about the bible about jesus this is a day to discuss it if you want if you can if you will please do and uh i'm gonna read right now and as i wait for your phone call um, an excerpt from my book, it is finished. The first thing you or I have to do to find the rest that God has is to get on board and to get on board for ourselves. Then those we love and are connected to will follow just as they did with Noah. If you are resting, they will also come into a place of rest. My dad pointed out in his commentary that Noah began the work of building the ark for he, his wife, their sons, and their sons' wives. 
20 years before his first son was even born. As Hebrews 12 specifically points out, the reason Noah built the ark was in order to save his family. And therefore, it was by faith he did so because his family wasn't even born yet. Like Noah, when we choose to rest in the finished work of the cross, it will impact and entice others around us to do the same. The cumulative effect of daily shalom that we live in will pave the way for our family, friends, and co-workers to follow. I wonder how much the peace and the rest that Noah had during tumultuous days were able to attract the animals and creatures of nature the way it did. Was there a sort of Dr. Doolittle effect going on leading up to the flood? Perhaps yes. In any event, we need not debate or argue people into resting in the finished work of the cross. I have yet to see one person debated into the kingdom of heaven. What we can do is get on board ourselves and let the Spirit of the Lord do the rest. That's true getting my kids on board, by the way. I'm no longer reading. All I got, the best way to get my kids on board from what I've discovered so far in 15 years of parenting is just to get on board myself. Not tell them how to get on board so much as just get on board myself. And it's funny how they follow. Dad, mom, get on board through his word by faith rest you have a phone call or not if you do do you have a phone 899-5275 i'm going to give it another 30 seconds and if i don't get it by then i'm going to rest (laughs) uh hey we have sunday services coming up this weekend at 8 30 and 11 o'clock If you don't have a church or you're finding yourself kind of disconnected, come see us. No, no. Come see the Lord in the sanctuary this Sunday. Come join us. It'll be great. You will be blessed. You will hear God's word. And you will know that he is God. So come join us this Sunday. Well, hey, I guess we won't hang up so quickly yet. We got a caller on line number one. Hi, Amber. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Hey, it's going. It's I'm going to heaven. That's how it's going. And Ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how you doing? I'm great. Um, so my question is um, in Isaiah 33, mm-hmm. and um, I have a few different versions set out in front of me, mm-hmm. and I'm just um, in the New King James version. It, um, it says in 16, in those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will be dwelt safely, and his name, which is he, will be called the Lord our righteousness. And so I'm a little confused with when it says she will be called. Okay. Because I, I, was, I thought it was talking about Jesus. For sure. Uh, okay. What verse? What verse? It's chapter thirty-three. I just turned there. And what verse are you in right now? Sixteen. Okay. So in my ESV, it says in. Uh, are you saying Isaiah thirty-three? 
mm-hmm. verse 16. My scriptures say he will dwell on the heights. His place of defense will be the fortresses of the rocks. His bread will be given him. His water will be for sure. Is that the scripture you just quoted? Oh, no, I Jeremiah. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, okay. Jeremiah. That's where I got it. Okay. Okay, yeah. Isaiah, Jeremiah, I got it. I do that all the time. Okay. Jeremiah 33, 16. I should know when you said the Lord is my righteousness, because that's the scripture. That's the scripture there. So let me read um, Jehovah Sidkenu, or Jehovah our righteousness. So in those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And that is the name by which it will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Is that the scripture, the verse you're referring to? Mm-hmm. Okay. So in my... ESV, it says, um, and that is the name by which it will be called. So it's speaking of Jerusalem. Um, and I think perhaps that the reason it says she in that case is because it's referring to the city. She, um, you know, like often can be the case. You don't ever refer to a city as a he. Um, mm-hmm. Like like we use our, for our boats, you know, it's always she when you talk about a boat. Uh, and I think too in the, in the, uh, Hebrew and those ancient languages, and I know for sure in the old English that you refer to uh, a city as a she and not a he. So I think it's referring to Jerusalem and it will be called the Lord is our righteousness. So the she is about Jerusalem and the Lord is our righteousness is not only the name of Jerusalem, but Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. It's one of his names as well. But Jerusalem is able to take on that name for itself. Oh, okay. 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 So the I sh- thought it was because uh, yeah. if you start in 15 and go to 16, I thought it was, it was just, it was speaking about, um, the branch. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, it is, which it is. So, okay, let's go back to 15. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. So you're right. That is speaking of Jesus, that branch that springs up from David. In those days, is the next verse, Judah will be saved. So now it's talking about Judah and Jerusalem will dwell securely. So it's talking about Jerusalem, which is in Judah. And this is the name by which it, or in your case, she will be called. So it or she, it in my translation, she in your translation uh, is speaking of the city of Jerusalem. Okay, that makes more sense. Right. Because I was like, oh, this is this is kind of weird. Right. I don't know a little curveball, right? I don't like. I don't. I, I don't see. I'm. 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 I try to be generous in my in my theology, but I'll tell you, it really gets under my skin when people say about God, he or she. You know, he's not a he or a she. He's a he. Whether you if you don't like that, that's tough. He's God. You know. <laughs> so uh-huh. the she here is speaking of the city of Jerusalem. Okay, that yeah. makes more sense. Cool. Yeah. All right. I was like, no, you know, yeah. you know, uh, Adam was made in God's image, yeah. and we were made, I was, you know, we were made in after Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you, Amber. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. God bless. All right. No more phone calls. Is that right? Okie dokie. We'll call it a day, I guess. It's a good day, though. It's Friday. And as how many times can you hear a preacher say, it might be Friday, but Sundays are coming. And you know what? For a lot of you, Friday's great. My kids like Fridays. Into the school week. For us all, today is the day the Lord has made. 
Thank you for tuning in to Rogue Grace at this hour. We'll be back on at three. If you have any questions or prayer requests, you can always go on to the website. Uh, you can go on to Applegate and click my name or just go on to PeterJohnCorson.com. Send me a, a request or a prayer request, and I would love to pray for you, okay? Or questions you might have. May the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace. Lord willing, I'll talk to you on Monday. <laughs>